Greetings. Hi, welcome to the Be The Light podcast. You may remember that in our last episode, we were talking about extraterrestrials and extradimensionals and their importance to our spiritual evolution and our evolution as a human species. And we left it with a question of how do we make contact? How do we make contact with ETs and EDs? How do we make contact? Well, we know that it's not always possible for ETs and EDs to lower their vibrational frequency and physically manifest into our reality. There's just things that prevent that from happening. But we also know that they can and they have, i.e. From our own UFO, UFO sightings and people who have experienced physical contact, physical interaction. Yes. So we're going to talk about how many, many years ago when we began researching and gathering all of the information that we could about ET human interaction because it's something that we've had experiences with and it is uh, something that's very exciting to us. It feels very positive and expansive and uplifting to us. And so we were really looking at a lot of different sources of information, a lot of accounts of, of experiences that people have had. And um, we were guided through a, a beautiful synchronicity to the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, also known as C-SETI. And we were just in love with this approach. You know, it just deeply resonated with us because it was speaking to benevolence and altruism and openness and including, you know, all beings in the galaxy, and we're just a small part of that, um, and not a shred of fear. There wasn't any language of fear. It was a very uh, heart-centered approach, definitely something that the human species could learn something from when you look at, you know, all of the, the information on the CSETI website. So we were really excited to find out that CSETI lays out different types They've categorized different types of ET human interactions. So C-SETI, they took this scale that we're, we're going to go into some detail about of what these things mean. You, most people are familiar with the term close encounters of the third kind. Okay. So everybody be like thinking, well, there's got to be two more before third. And actually, there's five, and we're going to talk about those. But the gentleman, the scientist that created this scale, which is called 
the Hynek scale, was created by Joseph Allen Hynek, who was an astrophysicist, an astronomer, and he was also a UFOologist that was brought in on these early uh, United States Air Force projects, and he was really a debunker at the beginning of his career. But in 1972, he wrote a book, and in the book, he lays out the scale. Of at up to that point, they were really just kind of stopping at the third type of close encounter that you could have with an extraterrestrial. So a close encounter of the first kind is a sighting of an extraterrestrial spacecraft within 500 feet. That's pretty close. 500 feet is not very far. And the reason why Hynek came to that conclusion, of course, is that you're not going to have a lot of indisputable eyewitness account of an object within 500 feet. Anything past that, the the probability increases exponentially that you may be seeing something that is not what you think it's seeing. Now, you know, I like to use movies as references in pretty much Who doesn't? everything. And so I think for this one, um, why wouldn't we use close encounters of the third kind? A most uh, people I don't really think understand, or at least appreciate it to the level that I know we do of the importance of it. Within the movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, a CE1 event would be at the beginning where, you know, Richard Dreyfus is in his truck and that ship comes right by him. It's like within 50 feet. Okay. Not 500 feet, 50 feet. It's right by him. So you're seeing something so close, which could also be an orb, you know. We can have these so, various so things. So close that you could describe features. You could describe the shape, the color, windows, no windows, mm. panels, lights. Details that you could not see right. when it would be the object would be further away. So a close encounter of the second kind involves trace evidence of a landing or a radar lock-on. Now, we hear about military and, and, and pilot accounts of things coming across mm -hmm. the radar, picking things, unusual things that appear and disappear, you know, right. on their radars, air traffic controllers. Well, once again, in that movie, they had that awesome m moment at the beginning of the film where you've got the air traffic controller who's communicating with three different pilots who are all seeing uh, an object that they don't know what it is. And it's shown up on the radar. The traffic controller can see it. And at the end of the big drama of it coming so close to these three planes and all of the air traffic controllers are gathered around the screen and when it, the event is finally over because the bells and whistles of a near collision alarm system is going off inside air traffic control. So there's your radar lock on. There's the, the, you've got all kinds of different parties that are experiencing this between the three different pilots and all the air traffic controllers that are watching it go down. And then you get the question of, uh, do you want to report 
Do you want to make it a port, you know, ref- official? And uh, they're all like, uh, no, hell no. Why would, well, I don't even know what to report. So that. And I'd like to keep my job. And I want to keep my job. <laughs> There's that aspect. Well, you know, we know from all kinds of different aspects within what we would term disclosure, you know, as these military officials, pilots, people that worked in air traffic control, these people coming forward, they're all validating basically a close encounters of the second kind event by saying, I saw this or I worked here and it was locked on or I was in my aircraft and it locked on. So that's what it, that's, that means that we've got a piece of equipment Mm -hmm. that we're using that is validating the existence of an object that we cannot identify. Right. So you're taking out the uh, room for human error. It's it's really an it's evidentiary not, right. component within the CE categories, right? It's right. like trace evidence would also be like if you're out in a field. Oh, sure. And there's a, a, mm-hmm. a landing and mm-hmm. the grass is all, you know, you know. <laughs> Let's not bring crop circles into this right now because that's not what we're talking about. That's not this. But a lot of people might think that, but that's not this. But maybe things, there is evidence on the ground of something being there that is indisputable, that there was an object that created that. So once again, it's evidentiary. A close encounter of the third kind is a sighting of a life form usually in association with a spacecraft. So you're seeing the craft and a being. Right. Which, just to keep going with the flow of the movie reference here, in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that would be at the moment that we are, the ship has landed, the, the door is opening up, and the ETs are walking out of the ship. That technically is what a Close Encounters of the Third Kind event is. It is the visual observation of extraterrestrial intelligent life. Now, I would like to say that we're so programmed to believe that everything needs to look kind of humanoid, but the reality of it all is, is there's an infinite number of of physical manifested forms that extraterrestrial life can take. And it's pretty presumptuous of, of us as humans to thinking that we're the only type form in the universe. And that's just not the case, you know? Okay. A close encounter of the fourth kind. So we're, we're moving past Hynek's, Mm-hmm. original three types mm-hmm. and they've added a few more so a close encounter of the fourth kind involves interaction with extraterrestrial beings usually aboard a spacecraft right so that would be the moment that the ets have chosen richard dreyfus to go on board they get to bring one they brought everybody else back the the experiment is complete over the course of many decades in that movie. We've brought everybody back home. Nobody's aged. Now we're going to pick one to come with us as basically an ambassador. I mean, there is so much that happens in that movie that is not obvious, but this is clearly they have people that they've been 
that have been training, that have been going through this program to be the one to get chosen. And at the end of the day, it's the one that actually was asked and invited to be there. And I'm not going to get into the many layers of that, but I think that's really awesome that nobody really talks about is Richard Dreyfus. The one that they picked is the one that they invited. So the moment he takes their hand and walks up on board that ship and the doors close and he's on board and they take off, that would technically be a CE4 event. Well, this is all leading us to the one place that we're going to talk about that's really the nature of this episode. So a close encounter of the fifth kind is produced through the conscious, voluntary, and proactive human-initiated or cooperative communication in a meeting with extraterrestrial biological entities and or their spacecraft. These encounters are described as joint bilateral contact events instead of unilateral contact events. And that's really, that's, that's the foundation of definitely what we're talking about. So this is someone who is seeking to have contact. This is, if you're somebody who's been seeking to have contact, this is what you want to understand about going about doing that and the principles that are involved. So when we came across this material and it validated something that intuitively we knew to be true, this is really part of the fuel that, that spurred us on in our journey and our search is we knew that there was a way like, I, we're tired. I'm not waiting around by the phone, waiting for that call to happen. I'm going to pick up the phone and make the call. Right. We are going to pick up the phone and we're going to make the call because it's a two way street. And we knew from our experience and from other people's experiences that the point of contact is through your consciousness. And communication with ETs and EDs happens through telepathy mm-hmm. and, you know, heart connections. But as human beings, we tend to want to have some something physical, something tangible, something that we can see with our eyes, mm-hmm. something that is undeniable evidence of the existence of these beings. So that's why we decided to, to focus on close encounters of the fifth kind and the methodology laid out by C. SETI in this episode. So when we were on our path of really honing in, we had the knowing that you can't wait around for contact and well we're just impatient like that well we are impatient because we know it to be true and right. we're ready for it to happen <laughs> so what do we do how does this work how can we do that and we were very fortunate to realize to learn that somebody had already done all the hard work mm-hmm. in that they created a protocol because the other avenue of having contact with ETs and EDs is through human initiated contact, which we refer to as CE5. And that term was actually developed by Dr. Stephen Greer, who is the person along with a few other people 
in creating a set of protocols for engaging in the activity of contact. And he came from a perspective that contact and these experiences are happening through our consciousness. Mm-hmm. There is no static when it comes to having contact, utilizing our consciousness. There is no doubt to the authenticity of that contact when you're in it, when you're in that moment of it. So we affectionately refer to this activity and these protocols as vectoring because vectoring is one aspect of utilizing the CE5 protocols to have contact. So you don't have to wait around. There's actually a set of instructions that you get to employ that you can do in your bedroom, in your backyard. You can do it when you're alone. There is power in numbers. So you can do this as a group. When we first started doing this work, it was just the two of us. Mm -hmm. We didn't have anybody else. In fact, when we got on the CE5, when and Dr. Greer, he has a number of websites. He has devoted his life work to not only having contact and having human-initiated contact with extraterrestrial intelligence and extra-dimensional intelligence, but he has committed his life to having disclosure and to revealing the technology of free energy. Mm-hmm. I would say these are the cornerstones of his work, forever and deeply grateful. Hidden technologies. Right. That for are the, readily available. That's readily available. I mean, think about it for a second. If you have free energy, you don't have to work to live. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in for a second. I think of all the things we could talk about, that's probably the biggest hurdle for most people to make. Mm-hmm. Imagining life without being a wage slave mm-hmm. to live, mm-hmm. to have food, to, to have comfort, to be able to have transportation, all of these things. So we're not, that's a whole other or episode. That you don't owe anybody anything to be a human being on this planet. Nobody's controlling the puppet strings anymore on that. So, you know, Dr. Greer is an incredible human being that has done this really amazing work and has given the gift of these protocols and his energy. We encourage you to do your own research. Get into doing your own stuff that's available. Yeah, we can't even begin to cover all that in a single episode, but just know that you can explore that yourself. Mm-hmm. However, if you do go to his website, you can download these documents. If you want a blueprint and some actual instruction on how to do that, you can get the protocols like that. We're going to kind of talk about them. Mm-hmm. But where I was going with that is when we first started, there was a map you could get on and find other people in your area that were interested in doing CE5 work. And when we first got on, there were literally three dots on the state of Oklahoma. And we were two of them. (laughs) And now when you get on there, there are so many people. And wherever you live, if you get on and look at that map, you will see 
you are not alone Mm -hmm. in your desire, in your excitement to have contact. Mm Dr. Greer tends to, I mean, he leads groups of people. He has all kinds of CSETI, CE5 retreats, um, you know, out in Joshua Tree and different places where he has uh, really intense, larger groups of people doing this work. But know that you can do it alone. You can do it yourself and you can do it anywhere. He tends to go out in a remote location where there's There's not going to be a lot of airplane interference or interference, period. EMF interference. He's also picking these big places because he fully anticipates a ship landing every Mm -hmm. time he goes out with a group. That the the possibility that a ship would fully manifest and land, and that you would actually have a select group of people within this group. That would be a part of the boarding party. So because it was only the two of us, we were the boarding party and we always had a gift ready to give because you always, always, always ready to give the gift. But essentially for anybody who knows technically what that term vectoring is, that is identifying a location, right? So when you're getting into the set and setting of vectoring, what you're really going to be doing is getting into a deep meditative state. You are going to do a process that Dr. Greer refers to as coherent thought sequencing. And by visualizing your location, you can start by viewing yourself like floating above where you are and going further and further out as if you're looking down like on a Google satellite map Mm -hmm. and you're going to keep projecting out past the earth, past the moon, past the planets to the outer rim of the solar system out into the galaxy. And then you're going to visualize yourself coming back in. So you're telescoping out and you're coming back down. You really do want to read through the protocols of Dr. Greer so that you have it within your mindset. I would also suggest that if this is something that you want to pursue, spend the few bucks and download the ET Contact mm-hmm. Tool app. It has a beautiful meditation. It's by got Dr. a great Greer right. That we love you, to listen to. It's and got some I, great and I'd tools like to on say it. Also, that your intention is everything. It is and, everything. And we say that all the time because every it's episode, true. and it is true. Your intention is everything, and you cannot even begin to start this process without having an open heart full of love and gratitude for all beings. Right. With no expectation. Or you will not have success. You will not have the success that you hope to have. And if you have a shred of fear, that is going to have an impact on your endeavors. Dr. Greer, to go along with his group, if you want to pay the money and go along for that, Dr. Greer-led expedition, you are going to go through a vetting process that is like the most insane level of security clearance process you could go through. You are going to be thoroughly vetted on a questionnaire because any bit of a fear frequency is going to have an impact on the success of that. We know that from our own personal 
experience. We could have episodes talking about our personal experiences of vectoring. I will say the first time, because we have, especially when we started this, our kids, our youngest kids, I mean, mine's still pretty young. Melissa's is still pretty young, but they were really young when we got started. Mm -hmm. They were really little. And we didn't have the luxury of being able to take a whole day and a night to go out and vector in a remote location. We had parameters that our life dictated that we needed to stay close to home. And we're only going to be gone. Like, I remember when we first did it, we would have to literally get our kids to bed and leave them <laughs> with, with our husbands and then meet up. And we had our vectoring bucket, which we still have. We it's do. awesome. We mm-hmm. have it packed and ready to go at any time. Stop, drop, and vector. It's not a bug out bag. It is a vectoring bag. It's and got everything in it. It's really need. a bucket. It is. It's a Rubbermaid container. It's a storage container. <laughs> it also doubles as an altar. And it's an altar. <laughs> so, you know, we're all about efficiencies <laughs> and uh, multi-purposes. So, you know, we started doing it in our backyards. Because that's all we could do. And I think it's beautiful that it worked out like that because what it taught us is that this is actually something. It can feel like, oh, I've got to have a group of 20 people and I have to go to a national park somewhere where I have access to these remote locations. You do not. Because well, we contact, realized that we, if we were going to wait for that set and setting, it we'd would be never waiting happen. for forever. Right. And we are impatient because we want instant manifestation. And so... We have never been out vectoring where we have not had successful contact. Every single personal expedition that we've gone on, we have had This contact. is years and years. Years and years, multiple times in all locations, in different states. All over the United States. We did start venturing out to places in the country around... Like in our local area, we have gone through the process of inviting others into doing it. Every time there has been contact, even with people that had fears that we realized in the moment and trust us on this. Extraterrestrial beings, extra-dimensional beings, benevolent extra-dimensional beings they are going to have an awareness of your limitations and they'll back off and it's not going to go any further if you're not ready. It's a true test of faith. It is a test of faith and trust us. There is a learning curve. There is a learning curve of experience that everybody has to go through. It's exciting, but you do realize where you need to continue your own work. Exactly. I mean, if anything, because we know that every co-creation is really all about teaching us what it is that we need to learn or how we can level up or expand So when we would get started, we would start by doing, we would play, we would do a guided meditation on the ET contact tool. Dr. Greer provides these awesome sounds that were recorded in these crop circles. And we like to use that almost as a call of an invocation. And we'll play that. And then we follow his guided meditation. You're you're being guided and connecting with your the consciousness, the you of you first. Right. You know, if anyone has any difficulty, mm-hmm. you know, 
meditating. This is more of like a visualization or a visual tool for you to really get in touch with your consciousness as separate from your physical being. Right. And he has a very soothing, gentle voice. It's a beautiful meditation. And so we would do that. We also eventually began to incorporate some sound tools, singing bowls, our chimes, our tuning forks. We would incorporate these elements in the beginning. And we really always bringing our stones and our crystals. That goes without saying. We would consecrate the space. We would smudge everything off. We would have our cedar or our Palo Santo. We would have our quartz that we had programmed for contact. This is something that you want to ritualize and make it your own Mm -hmm. in whatever way that you feel guided to do that. Mm -hmm. But it is, you want to have the solemn, sacred reverence reverence to this work. You are an ambassador Mm -hmm. of earth in this endeavor. Mm -hmm. Treat it as such Mm -hmm. with that degree of weight and importance to it. This is not something that you want to have a party atmosphere about. You don't necessarily want to approach this work with a chemically altered state of consciousness necessarily. That's just my personal opinion on that. I know Dr. Greer has a hard and fast rule about no drinking, no drugs. You're coming out here with pure body, pure mind, pure spirit, pure heart. Whether you're trying to make ET contact or not, Mm -hmm. if you're coming with an open heart, and an open mind and an open soul that is wanting to connect with another dimensional being, you're open to connecting with anything, whether it's animal spirits, nature spirits, the trees themselves. When you're going out, you really just cannot have any expectations of what is going to happen. You may be seeking an extraterrestrial contact experience and not notice that the trees are talking the to trees you. are are communicating the trees with are you. literally communicating with you or there are other extra dimensional beings that you cannot physically see with your eyes so this is another reason why we affectionately call it vectoring because we're giving our location we are opening up and transmitting a signal through our consciousness basically as being open for contact with all benevolent. Yes. Because once again, we're bringing it back to the intention. And we state that, and your intention is everything, and that trumps everything. everything. In order for you to feel safe and protected, all you need to do is to state, I am open to having contact with any benevolent, extraterrestrial, or higher dimensional For the highest good of all. Yes. And that's what's going to happen. For the highest good of all. And that's what you're going to get. So... There are all of these considerations that you do go through set and setting as with all things is everything. The set and setting of your internal intention and where you are on your path, the set and setting of the physical space that you're in, all of these things come together. It is extremely exciting. There's, mm-hmm. There aren't even words there aren't. in the English language to describe the feeling state of that. Every cell in your mm-hmm. being is infused with nothing but 
the most blissful, euphoric state of love and connection that you've ever had? You don't even know that you can feel that level of love. It's so expansive. Mm -hmm. It's forever altering. It's like, yeah, literally, this is what Jodie Foster was doing in contact. There are no words. They should have sent a poet. Mm -hmm. And it's true. You cannot even begin to imagine until you are in that moment of how beautiful, how absolutely connected you are. And so that is really part of the why we do that work, why we encourage other people to do that work. Mm-hmm. And having said that, you don't have to go. We've already said it. We, you don't mm-hmm. have to go out at all. You can do this protocol. Right. You can listen to this meditation in the privacy of your own bedroom right. and have contact. Right. And I mean, the, these interdimensional mm-hmm. beings do not have to manifest in the middle of the woods or out That's in really an open field. That's really what we learned. You know? That's really the first thing, I mean, probably one of the very first things we learned. They can manifest anywhere. Right. Including your bedroom. Including your bedroom. Now, maybe you don't want that level of intimacy of contact. <laughs> so you might want to go outside where you might feel like in your backyard or if you don't have a backyard, you know, go somewhere where you can be outside. People tend to vector at night simply because... You can see a light ship a lot more easily with the backdrop of a night sky than you can in the daytime. With that being said, we've had experiences during the daytime. Mm -hmm. So it's not really, it's not for that purpose. It's for the purpose of at night, one of the other tools Dr. Greer recommends when you're having a CE5 party is that you have a green laser pointer. You do need to be very careful. That is not a toy. You also, we would encourage people to get a satellite tracking app so you can verify, is that a satellite? When's the last satellite coming across my area? And that's a very important tool to have. You might also have some other gentle tones or things that you would like to play after you've done your deep, coherent thought sequencing guided meditation You can bring these other elements in, but being able to document your experience is important. If you really get serious about it and you want to follow those protocols strictly, then you're going to want to have a group of people and you're going to want to document in a variety of ways. So keep that in mind when you're doing that. When it's just the two of us, we still have our laser pointers because We are taking different quadrants or different horizons of the sky to be looking at if we're going out and vectoring for that purpose. And it's a great way for somebody, the other person, to know where to look in the sky. Mm -hmm. But you do need to use extreme. Make sure there's no airplanes around. You want to be careful because that is like an offense that you can really get in trouble (laughs) for if they can track you down. You know, it's not a toy and it does take time. You want to devote several hours because Mm -hmm. you can't expect to go out and go through the protocol immediately. Sometimes you have things that happen right away. Sometimes you could be out there for two hours before anything happens. It really just depends. The more that we did it, the quicker of a response it seemed to be for us. And just know that these extraterrestrial, higher dimensional beings know what is for the highest good. And if you or they are going to be encountering some type of interference or it's not safe for them to manifest in that way, 
it's not safe for you, it's not safe for them, it's not going to happen. It won't happen. And it's going, but but a lot can happen within your own consciousness. Communication well, happens within your own consciousness. There are things like we've had times where we've gone out, and the only thing we experienced was an uh, an orb immediately, and nothing else. But when we went home and we both went to sleep, it was almost like a transmission had taken place. And in the dream state, and I would say a very lucid dream state, mm-hmm. having all kinds. Of information conveyed to us, especially with like flashes from oh, ships, huge you know, flash, yeah, light, uh-huh. flashes of light or informational downloads Absolutely. that are being sent your way. Mm-hmm. And when your consciousness is in a different, more receptive state, mm-hmm. you can kind of start to unpack those downloads. Right. And boy, you can get a lot of information. You can get mm-hmm. more details about the beings that were there. You can get more information about what was actually taking place that you couldn't necessarily see with your physical eyes. And right. It can be really cool. But you could, I know this has happened with both of us where we've been out and we've gone home and it's like we were in the dream state. We were back in our location mm-hmm. and things were being presented to us. So as with all things, being aware of that, paying attention to the dream state, paying attention to the daydream state in the day's and weeks that follow if you go out and have an event and something has happened. So there are all kinds of phenomena that can occur when you're doing this work. And it is up to you and your discernment to be able to have an understanding of the significance of that. But this work that we're doing, and should you choose to embark upon the, the work of going out and having a CE5 experience, that is for you on the individual level, first and foremost. But it's also for the collective. It is another added beacon of light for our extraterrestrial families. These galactic brothers and sisters that are helping us, trying to assist us in this path that we're on, this ascension path on a collective level. And that's why having human initiated contact is of vital importance. I'm ready to be at the intergalactic, you know, community mixer. mixer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Vectoring and doing your own CE5 contact or, you know, just setting your intention before you go to sleep that you would like to remember your dreams, to have contact with other dimensional beings or, you know, during your meditative state, reaching out, initiating it yourself is only going to benefit your evolution as a soul. The more that we are open to these new paradigms and these new awarenesses, it only stands to benefit all of us. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we are all here with purpose and with reason. And we're all here to do something to assist humanity. You're not here just to get things. Not to live this like idea that we're going to have this static, awesome, peaceful, just super easy life. That's not why we are here. And this is just another component Mm -hmm. 
Well, I just hope that our conversation today kind of demystified a few things and put the role of ETs in context of the collective's journey on this ascension path and how it relates to us individually. We're excited if anyone is inspired to do their own contact work the more the merrier. We can't have enough people on the planet, like Marilyn said, sending out that beacon of light and reaching out for our galactic brothers and sisters to know that we are ready to take our place. And that is only going to come through having these new awarenesses and doing this work ourselves. We have to do the work. There's no way around it. And we encourage you to do your own exploration always. Always. And to do what you are guided to do by your excitements, Mm -hmm. because that's not going to lead you astray. We'll put all the resources in the show notes. And thanks for listening today. And thanks for being a part of our lives and for letting us follow our highest excitements by exploring these things with you. And we love you. Unconditionally in your totality. Be the Light podcast was produced by Teal Hobson Lowther. Our incredible, amazing theme music was created by Frequency Jones. Visit our website, bethelightrocks.com. Stay woke, y'all. Good morning.